Chapter 3 Morning News Morning sunlight spilled into the front room, and the air was warm, but light and fresh, as it circulated in through Lupin Lodge's open windows. Lupin Lodge was the name that Remus's parents had given it years ago, and it was rather lodge-like, with all its wooden walls and floors. It felt entirely different from the Hogwarts stone dormitories, and had nothing like the precarious tumble-down comfort of the burrow. Still, it felt really natural here. Ron liked it. He stood on the stairs, sleepily surveyed the front room, and grinned for no reason at all. Ron imagined he'd like Stag's Den, too, though he hadn't had a chance to check out the village yet. He'd only been here a night, after all. But Remus had told them all about it at lunchtime yesterday, and it had sounded pretty perfect. This wasn't solely a wizarding settlement. Hogsmeade was the only one of those in Britain. But Remus had assured them all that they'd be fairly safe using their magic in public, and that they could go ahead and order butterbeers at the pub without getting stared at. Most of the muggles in town that he knew of, he'd said, were married into wizard families, and there was even a field at the other end of town that locals sometimes used for impromptu Quidditch matches. Quidditch! Ron grinned to himself again, and padded down the rest of the stairs and through the living room, making his way towards the kitchen. It was shaping up to be an excellent summer if there could be Quidditch. It had been a long time since he'd been able to stay up in the air and play without fear of being attacked, or at least without fear of an attack on Harry. But that was over now. It was all over now. There would be time for the important things, like Quidditch, like Hermione. Ron stopped and stood outside the kitchen door. From inside, he could hear a faint muttering and turning of pages, and he smiled, feeling a bit of a flutter in his stomach. Hermione was in there, and she was probably by herself. He hadn't heard anyone else get out of bed yet. He paused for a moment before going through the door and looked down at himself, pajama bottoms, t-shirt, bare feet, and he ran a hand through his hair. It was a mess. He had half turned back to change clothes before he came to his senses and laughed at himself for being self-conscious. It wasn't as if Hermione hadn't seen him looking terrible. That was part of what made it so amazing. She didn't care. He pushed open the door, and his grin broadened. She was standing with her back to him, still wearing her nightdress and dressing gown, and her brown hair was a big mess on her shoulders. She was holding up her wand and peering at a cooking spellbook that lay open on the counter, talking softly to herself. Isn't it? No, that's not it. Is it? Index, index. She hadn't heard the door. She was utterly absorbed, as she always was when a book was opened in front of her. Ron took the opportunity to pad silently up behind her, pause, and lean close to her ear. You're up early! Hermione shrieked and spun around with her hand on her heart, holding out her wand. Ron, don't scare me like that. No problem. How do you want me to scare you next time, then? She huffed. He grinned. This was his favorite thing in the world. This was what he was good at, getting to Hermione. He couldn't think of a better way to start the morning, and he reveled in the fact that they were all alone, not in the Gryffindor common room and not in the great hall, but alone and still in their pajamas, together, first thing in the morning. It was incredibly liberating. Seriously, though, 
he said, stepping up and putting his hands lightly on her waist. It was odd doing this. He felt very daring, even though he knew he was allowed to do it, even though they had had this trust together, even though she was putting her own arms up around his neck and looking into his eyes. It was still very new and very surprising, especially since he found that it was difficult to make jokes with Hermione looking at him dead on like this. He couldn't always find his voice, and now she was playing with the hair at the nape of his neck, as she had done only once or twice before. He shut his eyes and hoped there'd be more time for it now. This is going to be a peaceful summer for once, she sighed, isn't it? Yeah, it is, he answered determinedly. They deserved a peaceful summer, a nice, long break from everything. They could talk about normal things. They could relax, finally. Ron looked over at Hermione's shoulder in her spellbook. What are you doing in here, he asked, cooking or something? Hermione frowned a little. Well, I was going to make breakfast, and I'm sure it's very simple, but, you know, Ron, it's so strange. I was petrified when the rest of you did the practical applications of basic cooking charms in school, and I thought I'd practiced on my own, but I was never tested, and I suppose it's because I'm muggle-born and never saw it at all used at home, but I don't know how to do any of it. Never thought I'd hear you say anything like that. Oh, be quiet. Ron kept hold of her waist as she raised up on her tiptoes, holding his shoulders for balance. She kissed him quickly. He tried to engage her in a fuller kiss, but she broke away and peered over his shoulder at the door. Not in the kitchen. Sirius will be down soon. I think I heard him up. Where, then? He said meaningfully. Ron! Hermione! He raised an eyebrow at her. She bit her lip and glanced over his shoulder again. This was really going to be a good summer, and Ron could think of very little that he wanted to do with it other than find somewhere quiet with Hermione and make up for lost time. There was a lot of lost time. And if she was going to be staunch about the girls sleeping in one room and the boys staying in another, well, Ron hardly disagreed with that, really. Even if it would be nice to stay in a room with Hermione, it would also be weird, especially with everyone knowing all about it. Not to mention that wouldn't have left Harry and Ginny with much of an option, and although Ron had a funny feeling that the two of them had more going on together than Harry had ever let on, well, he reflected, even if they did, he didn't really need to know about it just now. It was better that the rooming arrangements stood as they did. But that didn't mean he had to stay away from Hermione all day as well. She was still standing right there with her lip between her teeth, looking very much as if she couldn't decide whether or not to let him kiss her in the kitchen. He made up her mind for her, bending his head to softly kiss her bitten lip. She made a funny little noise, a noise he loved. And then, seeming to make up her own mind about the situation, she pulled away swiftly and turned in his arms to face her spellbook again. Ron sighed loudly, but gave up on kissing for the time being, and remained standing behind her, holding her around the waist. So it's fluos, she continued in a moment. Oh, of course it is. It has to be. This is ridiculous. This shouldn't be difficult. I've done millions of harder charms on the first try. What are you trying to do? Just coffee. You drink coffee? 
No, but... Ron felt her lean back against him. He watched as she lowered her wand. When she continued to speak, her voice shook a little. It's probably silly. I know it's silly. But I suppose I just wanted the smell of it. My house always smelled like coffee in the mornings, in the summers. Her voice grew very small until it disappeared altogether. Ron tightened his arms around her and put his face in her hair, wishing there was something he could do. Of course, Hermione missed her house. He knew how much she missed her parents. They're going to be okay, he told her, his voice low and adamant. He told her that a thousand times, but he still didn't know if either of them actually believed it, thanks to a very deliberate, very particular attack by Lucius Malfoy. The Grangers had been in the same state as Neville Longbottom's parents for the past year and a half. Ever since the Christmas of their sixth year, Mr. and Mrs. Granger had remained incurably insane in the Wizard's Hospital. St. Mungo's was no closer now to finding a remedy for those mentally damaged by the Cruciatus curse than they had been sixteen years ago when it had happened to the Longbottoms. Hermione nodded. I hope so, she said quietly. Do you want to visit them soon? I know there hasn't been much time these last few months. Yes, I do. I do, of course. But though Hermione's words were adamant, her tone was unconvincing. Ron thought that he knew why. Hermione had told him once last year that though she wanted to be with her parents, it felt futile to visit them. It made her angry. She'd burst out that it had made her feel so helpless to see them frozen in their fear that she never wanted to go back to visit them again. Of course, I never just leave them, she told him rapidly through tears. But Ron, I never want to see them like that again. And all he was ever able to do was to stand there and rock her, as he was doing now, stand there and rock her, and hate the Malfoys with all his heart. As soon as we get our apparition licenses, I want to go, she was saying. But you don't have to come with me if you don't. Of course I'm coming with you. He'd gone with her back and forth dozens of times last summer. Toward the end of summer, Harry had come along as well. Because of her parents' condition, Hermione had spent the last summer entirely at the borough with the Weasleys, sharing Ginny's room. Ron had never let her go to the hospital by herself then, and he didn't plan on it now. She was in tears after every visit. We can go down, stay with Mom, whatever you want, every week if you want every day. You just let me know. And we don't have to wait for our license. If you want to go buy flu powder, we can go today. Thank you, she said in a muffled voice, turning her head quickly toward him. He leaned over her shoulder and kissed her swiftly, comfortingly. She kissed him back, with as much comfort for him. But I want to wait. There's, there's no point in being there. They don't know I'm there. I... I just want to wait. She paused and pulled his arms more tightly around her. And I'll go with you to visit the memorial stone when we're in the south. We can do that as often as you need. You just let me know, okay? Ron kissed her again softly in lieu of a thank you and pressed his face into her neck. The memorial stone was for Percy. After the Death Eaters had murdered Percy in February, his body had gone unrecovered. It was still a shock. Ron had never been close to Percy, but it didn't matter. Percy was his brother, had been his brother. 
and it was painful work to put a brother in the past tense every time he came to mind, especially when Ron could never think of Percy without remembering the way in which he died. Ron shivered. He knew a little something about being in the company of Death Eaters. He knew about fear and torture. He'd never given Harry or Hermione all the details of his time as the Death Eaters' prisoner. They'd had enough to deal with, but he knew precisely what his brother's last moments had been like. Perhaps that was why he couldn't stop imagining the scene in his mind. Percy, bound and surrounded. Percy, suffering the Cruciatus curse. Percy realizing what he had to do and squaring himself to do it. And Percy had stood up bravely. They knew that much. Snape had answered all of the Weasleys' frantic questions and given them every detail they wanted. Percy had died with his head up, buckling only when hit by the flash of green light that had taken his life. Ron had damned Pettigrew bitterly in his mind every day since it had happened. It still stunned him that the rat he had carried around in his pocket for three years and who had lived with his family for twelve had betrayed Harry's parents and been responsible for his own brother's death. And even as satisfying as Pettigrew's death had been, it didn't change the fact that Percy was gone. Not to mention that Percy's death was also one more reason to hate the Malfoys. Because Lucius Malfoy had been there then, too. Snape had told them that. Pettigrew had tortured and murdered Percy while Lucius had looked on. He shivered again. It could have just as easily have ended that way for him, and he knew it though he tried very hard never to think about it. He'd just been a hell of a lot luckier than Percy. He lifted his head from the skin of Hermione's neck and rested his chin on top of her head. He had Hermione to thank for his lucky escape. He had Hermione to thank for a lot of things, Hermione and Harry. He owed them both his life, and he was proud to be able to say that he would give it for either one of them. But proud or not, he hoped that none of them would be called on to offer their lives again. Hopefully, they could just recover for a while. Ron rocked Hermione for another moment in silence, knowing that there was relief in this closeness for both of them. He was grateful to have this. At least it lent a sort of wholeness to the grief. I hope your mum is all right, Hermione murmured finally, lacing her fingers through Ron's. If we visit anybody, it really should be her. She and Penny could do with the company. Penny looked terrible at Percy's service. Ron started a little and felt his stomach squirm guiltily. Yeah, I know. Is your mom upset that the four of us came here instead of going to the burrow? Yeah. Hermione craned her head a little to look at him. She said something about it? Ron shifted uncomfortably. She wrote and said we should do whatever we think is the right thing, he ventured. Ron never knew what his mom meant by that, and it always made him feel terrifically guilty no matter what he decided. And you don't think you are? Why not? I don't know if I am. I don't know who it's right for. Well, I think it's right for all of us to be together. Me too. And I think it's right if we stay with Harry right now. Mum wanted him at the burrow. Sirius wants him here. Hermione frowned thoughtfully. I think it's fair to Harry and Sirius more than anything. They've been waiting so long for a little time together. And I suppose that they don't need us here. 
you and Jenny and I could all go to your house instead. But I just don't want us to separate. Well, Jenny could go to be with Mom. Hermione looked at him severely. That's not fair, and you know it, after everything she's done. And you know she wants to be with... Ron waited for the inevitable end to her sentence, but Hermione had stopped talking and was looking over Ron's shoulder again. When she continued, it was in quieter tones. You know she wants to be with us. I want her to be with us. And I know that all my reasons are selfish, but this is our first summer really together, and honestly, it's probably our last one. What? Ron turned Hermione around by the shoulders. What are you talking about, our last one? Hermione turned a little pink. Nothing, she said quickly. I just meant that we'd all end up taking jobs and things by the end of the summer, won't we? And then we'll all be apart for a while. We'll be able to apparate to work. We can all still be close together when the summer's over. It's not like we're going anywhere. Hermione shrugged and turned around again to face her spellbook. You know, she said briskly, I'm not much in the mood for learning spells. I guess if I can't work out the coffee, I'll just make tea. At least I know the boiling charm. Ron raised an eyebrow. Whatever she thought she was hiding, she wasn't doing a very good job of it. Her abrupt subject changes were as old as the hills, and there was always something behind them. But he knew her too well to push the subject right now. He'd have to get it out of her later. And in any case, she was now very busily summoning tea from the far cupboard when what she really wanted was the coffee. He pulled his wand from his waistband. No, don't bother. Unless you want some tea, that is. Fluos fabas, he said, holding the wand up over the pot, and coffee that Hermione had already set out. Coffee began to brew at once, and Ron had to agree the smell was heavenly. He thought he even might give it a try. Ron, you drink coffee? I never saw you drink it at school. I never did. Then when did you learn to make it? If you knew how many times I'd heard my mom do that spell, he replied with a laugh, I could probably actually cook a lot of things, though I'd hate to admit it. You can't. Right. Of course I can't. Good looking coffee there, isn't it? He grinned and wagged his eyebrows at her. Seems you might need a bit of help, though. Maybe you should go live with Mum. Learn a thing or two. Hermione broke free of his arms then, wrapping her dressing gown around herself importantly and made a show of stomping across the kitchen to the bread box. Ha, ha, ha. I'm sure that I can cook without any trouble after a bit of practice. Sure you can. So what are you going to do with that bread there? He leaned back idly against the counter and watched her. Toasted, of course. How? Hermione looked at the bread and back at Ron, clearly chagrined. Well, if you would just give me the spell book, I'm sure I could. But Ron was holding it up above his head. This was another game he rather loved. She couldn't reach it. Sure, come and get it. Here it is. Hermione abandoned her bread on the countertop, stepped up close to Ron and tried to bring his arm down manually, but to no avail. He was much stronger. After struggling for a few seconds in this way, she stepped back, raised her wand, and pointed it at the book. Accio! The spell book flew expertly into her hands. Ha! Got it! What is going on in here? 
The voice in the door was highly amused. Ron looked over Hermione's head to see Sirius standing there, shaking his head at them and grinning. Ron grinned back, wondering how much Sirius had seen and heard of their sparring. He found he didn't care too much either way. Nothing? Hermione's going to toast something. Come and watch. Ron, I swear, she was flicking furiously through the book now, finally reaching the pages she wanted. She pointed her wand at the two pieces of bread that lay on the counter and muttered something. Nothing happened. Are you sure that's a real spell? Ron asked innocently. Hermione glared at him. Let's see you do it then if you're so clever, she shot back. Ron knew that the smile on his face was probably insufferable, but it was really too good an opportunity to pass up. In a shake of his wand, the toast was perfect, and the only thing more perfect, in Ron's view, was the look on Hermione's face. She looked horrified. It was probably the first charm he'd bested her at in the entire time they'd known each other. Here, Ron. Sirius tossed the rest of the loaf across the kitchen, and Ron caught it easily. Want to do the rest of it up? I heard some noises upstairs. We'll probably have everyone down here hungry in a minute. Sure, I'll do it. No problem. And Hermione, here's something you can do, until you know better. Set the table. He knew she'd ignore that suggestion in a hurry, and she didn't disappoint him. Good morning, Sirius, she said graciously. Would you like a cup of coffee? Would I like one? Sirius laughed. I need one, but you don't have to do that. Oh, don't worry. She didn't. Ron couldn't resist saying as he toasted the bread and piled it on a plate. Hermione looked at him as though she wanted to put a hex on him, and she went by, carefully carrying a cup of coffee to the table. Sirius took it. Is this what it's going to be like? You all cooking and cleaning up and taking care of us old men? Ron snorted and looked him over. Sirius was hardly as old as his parents. What are you, 50? Sirius spat out some of his coffee. Not yet 40, he spluttered. Do I look that old? He recovered and took another gulp of coffee and then nodded at Ron, a wry smile twisting at his mouth. You may be an insulting git, but at least you make strong coffee. Thanks. Remus makes it like tea. It's disgusting. Remind me, would you, never to make you anything again? Remus approached the table, bleary-eyed. Good morning, Hermione. Ron. Morning, they chimed in at the same time, still laughing over Sirius's distress. Ron threw Hermione a grin. She returned it. He flew the toast through the kitchen door to the table and sat down beside her, holding his own cup of coffee. He tasted it, deciding that coffee wasn't half bad, though it was rather bitter on its own. Quickly he added a bit of milk and tried it again. Finding that more to his taste, he grabbed a piece of toast and then sat back and looked out the window. Perfect day. What are you going to do with it? Remus looked at Ron and then at Hermione. Any plans for the summer? Ron shook his head. Nope. No plans. No troubles. No nothing. I mean, I'll look for a job or something to make a bit of money, but that's about it. What kind of job? Sirius asked, grabbing toast. Ron shrugged. Dunno. Haven't had much time for thinking about that sort of thing. He looked at Hermione. I know you found the time somehow, but you're completely mad, so that's different. Have you been putting in applications, Hermione? Remus looked interested. Do you know what you'd like to try doing? Hermione looked at Ron, somewhat timidly, he thought, and when she gave her answer, she did so slowly. Well, there are a lot of things that interest me. 
Ron nudged her with his elbow. Go on. Tell them how many positions you applied for. Ron, no, I don't... Hermione protested, making one of her modest attempts not to look pleased. How many? Sirius asked keenly. Oh, not that many, really. It isn't... Twenty-seven! Ron shook his head and grimaced. Can you believe that? Fighting Voldemort, making up giant sacrifice spells, getting about a hundred thousand newts, and she found time for twenty-seven job applications. He sighed and clapped her on the back affectionately. Some day we're going to get her to take a holiday. Proud of her, aren't you? Ron's head snapped up. Ginny was in the kitchen, already dressed, pouring herself an orange juice. She smiled at him impishly, and he felt his ears getting a bit hot. The truth was, he was proud of Hermione. How could he not be proud of her? He never understood how she made so much time of the day for all the things she wanted to accomplish. Her mind and her focus continually impressed him, but he hardly wanted to make a big speech about it in front of everybody else, especially Remus and Sirius, who were now exchanging a knowing glance that made Ron feel a bit stupid. Hermione, however, was looking at him with a shy little smile on her face. A moment later, under the table, Ron felt her hand briefly on his knee. She didn't mind if he was proud of her, it seemed. He slipped his hand under the table and covered hers with it, lacing their fingers together. She looked back down at her toes to hide a blush, and Ron's heart leapt to see it. Maybe Jenny's comment, Hadn't been such a bad idea, after all. Still, turnabout was fair play. Where's Harry? he said, too casually, raising an eyebrow at his sister. Under the table, Hermione squeezed his fingers hard. She didn't like for him to tease Ginny about Harry. And though Ron knew it, he generally ignored her advice on the subject. Hermione might have known about a lot of things, but sibling raillery wasn't one of them. Asleep, I imagine, was Ginny's cool reply. Anybody else want juice? Before Ron could think of a good retort, there was a swishing sound and a blur of gray feathers in front of his eyes. An owl had come in the window, and it was now hopping up and down next to Hermione's napkin. Quickly she untangled her hand from Ron's, untied the letter, and read it. When she looked up again, she was shining. From one of my applications, she said, her voice shaking a little, I got it. A job? You got a job? Ginny squealed, running over to read her over her shoulder. Ron leaned in and did the same. At the ministry, he said, a bit awed upon seeing the letterhead. Damn, Hermione. She turned to him, excitement written all over her face. Ron silently added a notch to the tally he was keeping of swear words that he could get past Hermione's notice as she began talking very rapidly. I can't believe it. I never thought I'd get this. I shouldn't have gotten this. I don't have the experience for it. I've hardly traveled and I... What? France and Bulgaria don't count? Hermione gave Ron an impatient look. The assistant to the British ambassador of magic has to be really worldly, not just book smart. She sighed at the paper. But I got it. Of course you got it. Ginny dropped into the chair on Hermione's other side and beamed at her. You're worldly if anyone is. Hermione, think of the things you've done. Do you think you'll take it? But Hermione was shaking her head. I don't know, she said soberly. I can't say. Ron stared at her, disbelieving. You don't know? The ministry wants you to work for them and you don't know? Well, it's hardly the ministry right now, is it? 
"'It's in disrepair,' she replied, laying down the letter and looking very thoughtful. "'It needs people like you,' said Sirius at once, leaning forward on the table. "'How else will it get rebuilt?' Hermione turned to Ron. "'And your dad's practically the minister of magic now. "'I'd be working for him, ultimately, if I said yes.' Ron felt himself swell with pride. He couldn't get over the fact that his dad, his dad, was finally where he deserved to be. Dad would let you get away with murder, Jenny commented from Hermione's other side. You could put magical creatures in office if you worked for him. You could make SPEW into a national organization. Ron groaned. Oh, right. That's all we need. Don't give her any more ideas, or this time next year we'll all be celebrating Elf Awareness Day. Remus and Sirius laughed at that. Hermione did as well, but she poked Ron in the side with her elbow. Ron nudged her. Go on, Hermione. You'd love working there. Who's acting as ambassador right now, anyhow? I think it's Pavardi's mum. The Patels? Oh, right. Well, see? That's great. It'll even be people you know. But Hermione didn't look convinced. In fact, she looked as if she was suffering some sort of struggle. It's all true, and I know I should be jumping at the chance, but my parents. She didn't have to say anything else. Everyone grew quiet and nodded. That was a definite consideration, and Ron couldn't believe he hadn't thought of it himself. Of course, an, an ambassadorial position would take her away from Britain and away from her parents. And away from him! Ron sucked in his breath quietly as he realized he'd just been encouraging Hermione to go away for weeks at a time. He tightened his grip on her hand. To be separated now was the last thing he wanted. There was a short silence, which Sirius broke. Well, wherever you decide to go, Hermione, I'm sure you'll be an asset. The Ministry could use your brains, but so could plenty of other places, I'm sure. We've all got a duty to help somewhere. He picked up his coffee cup and glanced at Remus, whom, Ron noticed, was suddenly looking strained. Sirius continued, I'm going to start work up at the Ministry this morning. Arthur needs all the help he can get. He was looking peaked. Was he? Ron looked up. I'll bet. Have you talked to him since yesterday? No, but I'm going up there after breakfast. Sirius gulped his coffee again. Where to? Azkaban? No. The answer came from Remus. His voice was mild, but absolutely adamant, and Ron wasn't surprised to see Sirius shoot another look at him. Sirius looked a little bit irritated. I'll go wherever Arthur needs me, was Sirius's abrupt reply. We've got to relocate all those prisoners, now, and then we've got to sort out the guilty ones from the innocent. Hermione was frowning now. But I thought that the Aurors and the Hit Wizards and the rest of you had only brought in escaped prisoners and Death Eaters. How can any of them be innocent? It's precisely the same as what happened last time, Sirius said, his eyes dark. They're not all saying they were under the Imperious Curse, Ron asked incredulous. In their conversation with Sirius at yesterday's lunch, he had told them only that the Dementors were trying to escape Azkaban, and then he'd moved away from the subject very quickly. It hadn't even crossed Ron's mind that the guilt of the Death Eaters might be a real issue. They can't possibly think they're going to get away with that again. Sirius shook his head firmly. The problem is, Ron, that last time there were a handful of people telling the truth. 
about that and about other things. I should know, he said lightly and smiled, but Ron noticed that it wasn't a real smile at all. It only existed on the surface. In any case, Sirius went on, we have to establish a place for the current prisoners and then come up with a way to confine them until we can try them properly. Then we're going to have to collect evidence, investigate claims, test the wands, hold the hearings, all of it, one by one. It's going to be... Sirius trailed off and looked at Remus. Difficult, to say the least. Ron raised his eyebrows dubiously. It sounded worse than difficult. It sounded impossible. He remembered the years in his childhood during which his father had been trying to help sort the innocent from the guilty after Voldemort's first go-around. It had been something of a nightmare. No one had been able to determine what was actually true, and Ron had a few doubts as to whether Sirius would really be able to do the things he was talking about doing, but he wasn't about to voice those doubts. Good luck, Sirius, Ginny said, but there was audible doubt in her voice, too. The dining table went quiet for a moment after that. Just as the quiet became a bit uncomfortable, there was another sudden rush of air and feathers past Ron's face. And another, and another. Within minutes there were a dozen owls all vying for Hermione's attention. It was all she could do to untie the letters from their legs before they covered the table entirely with their feathers. Hogwarts timing. Harriet appeared in the door, and Ron turned to look at him. He was dressed, but badly, as if he hadn't cared at all what he'd been pulling on, and he pointed at the owls vaguely, a strained smile on his face. It was exactly like the smile that Sirius had given earlier. Beneath it, Harry looked distant and disinterested. Ginny nodded at Harry. Ron watched her. She'd treated Harry this week as if he looked perfectly normal, and she always spoke to him as if he were listening, even when he clearly wasn't. Well, these are the Hogwarts owls, Harry, she said. Are they? Harry asked absently. He took a seat and stared at the birds, which were positively fighting to get to Hermione's hands. She thrust one at Ron. Help me, would you please? There are old school owls, yes, Ginny continued, taking one of the owls along with Ron, giving Hermione assistance. A lot of the Ministry and London post owls were injured or killed, you know, in that diagonally blast, right before the Death Eaters broke open Gringotts. She paused to caress the wing of the owl she was holding. Poor things. So last week, Professor McGonagall had me send a lot of the school owls up to Dad. After all, Hogwarts won't need them this year. Harry put his chin in his hand and began to pick at a piece of toast. He didn't eat any of it. I can't believe Hogwarts is really going to close. But just for a year, Harry. It was supposed to be your seventh year, though. Aren't you upset? I would be. Ginny shrugged. I guess I just don't want to be upset anymore, she said, handing Hermione the note she'd untied and picking up another tiny owl. Hermione, how many letters does this make? Another handful of owls had come in while they had been talking. Hermione finished accumulating her replies, sent all the owls off with a wave, and counted the slips of parchment in her hand. Fifteen, she said, sounding disbelieving. That's more than half of the positions I applied for. And what do they say? Ron reached over and took the letters, reading them out one by one. Here we are. Dear Miss Granger, we are pleased to inform you that... Well, you got that one. Ms. Hermione Granger, thank you for your interest in our firm. Please contact the following office to schedule an interview 
so that we may determine our your post with us. You will begin in September. You got that one too. Let's see. Yes, 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 yes. Ron read through the letters. Each one was an acceptance. Hermione's face grew pinker and more shocked at each one. I didn't really get them all, Ron. You're having me on. I'm not. Dear Miss Granger, we were so impressed with your work that we can hardly express our excitement in a letter. You made that up. Read it. Hermione did so and her eyes grew round. Well, was all she said when she finished reading the glowing report of her abilities. Well, I suppose this means I'll have options. Remus laughed. Not surprising, is it? You're a bright young woman, Hermione. It's wonderful to see that people appreciate it. Ron watched Hermione flush even redder and felt the swell of pride toward her again. She was something. She really was. When a tardy owl flew through the door a moment later, he directed it with his hand. Over here, this is the girl you want, he said, motioning the owl closer. This owl, however, had a different agenda. It landed squarely in front of Harry, whose eyes widened slightly. What? He looked at the note and frowned. It's mine. I don't know why. Everyone who's ever written me a letter is sitting here, he paused, except Hagrid. Everyone was silent while Harry untied the note and read it. Hermione looked worriedly at Ron, who shook his head. Harry's tone for the past week had been flat and impenetrable, and the comment about Hagrid, well, it was just plain morbid. Ginny allowed the owl to sip at her juice for a moment, seeming none too upset by Harry's tone. What does it say, she asked momentarily, when the owl had flown again. Harry finished the letter, laughed harshly, looked up, and caught Ron's eyes instead. See for yourself. Ron reached out and took the parchment. He and Hermione scanned it together. It was an invitation from the Aurors for Harry to come and train with them. Ron read it aloud for the benefit of everyone else, and then caught eyes with Harry again, whose face was gravely set. He didn't move. Wow, Harry, that is... But because of the furious look in his best friend's eyes, he didn't know what to say. I mean, obviously it's an honor, but, well... He stumbled, coming to a halt. Goodness, doesn't it seem a bit, well, soon for this kind of thing? Hermione said hesitantly. Unless, of course, you want to take it, Harry an honor harry's voice was sharp do i want to take it he looked from one to the other of them as if they were mad what do you think do i want to go up to london and help mad eye with the death eaters use a lot of curses practice constant vigilance he laughed bitterly ron felt cold at the sound of it harry was so walled off lately that it was almost impossible to tell where he was coming from Jenny put a hand toward him, but Harry leaned back to avoid contact with it. I think I can pretty safely say, he said, crumpling the letter and tossing it into the center of the table, that I'll never do anything like that as again as long as I live. More silence followed this avowal, and the quiet frustrated Ron. It seemed that every other moment since the end of the war had been wordless and strained, and he was tired of the tension. He watched Harry fix his eyes on his plate again and continued the systematic destruction of his toast, and Ron felt all at once sympathetic that his friend was so obviously destroyed and irritated that Harry could so callously reject an offer that most people would have had been in raptures over. 
But then, that was nothing new. Harry had always done that. Ron looked to Hermione, hoping that she might offer some comment to break the uneasy stillness. But Hermione was watching Harry with anxious eyes, and she didn't seem to have any more idea of what to say than Ron did. It was Ginny who ended the quiet. She raised her wand and flicked it toward the side table to turn on the wireless, then sat back and returned her attention to her juice and toast. After a bit of static from the wireless, a female voice began to drone in an affected tone of business-like concern. It's set to the WWN News, Remus commented, raising his wand, but I'm sure you'd all prefer music. Wait! Ron held up his hand. He'd heard the newscaster say his father's name. Everyone in the room stayed still and listened as the news report continued that Arthur Weasley, unofficial and apparently incompetent minister of magic, how dare they, Ginny cried, pushing her chair back from the table. Ron waved a hand at her to make her quiet. He wanted to hear the rest of it. Claimed yesterday to have the Dementor problem well in hand. Be advised that this is not the case. Last night, retired Auror Ida Dunnes of Lewis Island was forced to drive a Dementor from a highly populated residential area in Stornoway. Sirius was on his feet. He stalked to the side table, his wand out before him, as though sending a Patronus at the wireless might become an, a need at any moment. Tragically, Dunnes received news of the Dementor presence only moments too late. Ron watched as Sirius gripped the side table with both hands. Damn it, Arthur, he muttered. Why didn't you just tell me you needed help? He'd gone sheet white, and Ron saw that Remus had now pushed his chair back, too, and was watching Sirius carefully. Dennis arrived at the residence of John and Kitty Douglas in time to save the couple's only child, Ewan, upon which the Dementor was descending. Though Dennis was able to drive it back, it was too late for the child's mother. Kitty Douglas had already been kissed and is now beyond rescue. She has been committed to the post-dementor sole termination ward at St. Mungo's. Six-year-old Ewan has lost his mother and will be raised by his father, a muggle who has every intention to quit wizarding society and take his son with him. Everyone in the room looked at Harry together. He has also announced his intention of spreading the word on dementors to the general populace. At this point, memory charms had been employed. The newscast cut off abruptly. Harry had shot to his feet, his wand out. His hand trembled, and he shook his head slowly from side to side, opening his mouth as if to say something, though nothing came out. And then he was gone from the kitchen. A moment later, through the front window, Ron could see Harry striding past the house and down the road, his firebolt in his hand. Ron sighed heavily and looked at Remus. This is going to take time, right? Remus nodded, though his gaze was still trained on Sirius, who continued staring at the wireless as if in shock. Just let him burn it off, Ron, he advised absently. He does need time. Let him go. Ron was willing to submit to Remus's advice simply because he didn't know best what to do for Harry anymore. Jenny, however, did not seem to want to heed it. She had already gotten up quietly and carried her dishes to the sink, and now she was doing her best to slip out of the kitchen without anyone noticing. Ron stopped her. Ginny, I don't think... I'm not going to talk to him, she interrupted resolute. I'm not going to say anything, but I am going. And then she was gone as well, out of the house and past the window, 
where they could all see her walking determinedly after Harry, her ponytail swinging. I'm going too, Sirius said briefly, raking a hand back through his hair. I'll be back when I can. Padfoot, Remus began, but stopped short of the sound of a soft pop. Sirius had disapparated. The three of them left in the room exchanged worried stares. It didn't help Ron to know that Hermione and Remus were clearly at as much in a loss for what to do as he was. He was worried for Harry and sick to his stomach at the idea that his father was being blamed for what happened to that woman. Guess Dad's worse off than we thought, he ventured and felt a rush of anger. Incompetent, he muttered to himself. Load of rubbish. Of course it is, Hermione said at once. It isn't your dad's fault what happened to that poor woman. They're just blaming him because he's the one in office. It will pass, Remus agreed, and most people will know it's not the truth. We're all trying to help him however we can. Ron looked up at Remus. Are you going up to the ministry with Sirius then? He saw Remus tense slightly and felt Hermione's hand touch his leg under the table. There's a law, she reminded him quietly. Ron fidgeted. Of course there was a law. He knew that. It prevented classified beasts from being employed at the Ministry of Magic. He shrugged awkwardly and was about to attempt an apology to Remus when he was interrupted by a loud and very familiar voice from the front room. Ron? Ginny? Anyone at home? It was his father, sounding urgent. Forgetting his apology for the moment, Ron raced toward the front room with Hermione close behind him. They skidded to a halt in front of the fireplace. Ron. Arthur nodded to him, his voice weary. Hermione. Where's Ginny? She's gone out already, but Dad... Ron burst unthinkingly. What in the hell were they talking about? What's happening with the Dementors? We were listening to the WWN, Hermione said calmly, stepping up beside him. Are you all right, Mr. Weasley? Arthur sighed angrily. I meant to get to you before that newscast did, but I got sidetracked by reporters. Again. They're saying it's your fault. What's that about? Ron demanded. It is, in a matter of speaking, Arthur replied evenly. It isn't. Remus had entered the room. Don't take that on yourself. Sirius just disapparated. You can expect him in your office in a few seconds. I imagine he's smashing through security right about now. Arthur laughed a little. Well, I can definitely use him. He turned his eyes on Ron. I'd better go. I just wanted to let you know not to worry about this. There's going to be a lot of me in the news, and it's not going to be good, and you'll just have to get used to it. I don't want it interfering with your summer. But, Dad, Ron began to protest, feeling that he really ought to be of help in some way. Get outside. Go on, Arthur urged. I'll be happier if I know you're getting a rest and look out for your sister. Ron nodded and, out of the corner of his eye, saw his old professor square himself slightly. Is there anything I can do for you, Arthur? Remus asked quietly. Nothing yet. But Remus, as soon as we've got Azkaban figured out, my next priority is getting rid of a few ridiculous restrictions around here. All right? Remus nodded. I understand. And anything that I can do from here... I'll let you know. Arthur caught Ron's eyes, smiled, and his head disappeared from the fire. Ron stood still for a moment, staring at the fireplace, trying to absorb the events of the morning. 
He glanced at Hermione to gauge her reaction. She was looking very seriously into the fire. Her shoulders hunched with worry, and though he was feeling pretty serious himself, Ron felt a sudden need to lighten her mood. Regardless of what was going on, it was summer, and they were together. There had been enough pressure this morning. If his father wanted them to get outside and enjoy themselves for a day, well, he wasn't going to argue. He reached out and took Hermione's hand, pulling her a bit closer to him to break her concentration. Let's get outside then, shall we? he asked quietly. She started and looked up at him and smiled. Yes, all right. What do you want to do? Well, Hermione ducked her head. Actually, I'd hoped to study up for the apparition examinations. They're next week, and we have to be ready. Oh, come on. That's nothing, is it? Ron asked carelessly. We can just look over the manual in a few days. You'd better study. I don't want you getting splinched, or Hermione, I am not going to get splinched. She shrugged. I'm just saying, you'd do better to study, that's all. Ron pulled her a bit closer, determined to steer her mind away from tests or any other serious issue. He leaned his forehead to hers and spoke softly. It's the first day of summer. Don't you dare say you want to study for that exam, or I'll full body bind you, he threatened suggestively. And then what would you do? She blushed a little. Ron, um... Ron followed Hermione's eyes toward Remus, who was still standing quietly in the room watching them. Ron had quite forgotten that he was there. Now, however, Remus walked past them, clearly fighting not to smile, and shook his head. Ron watched him go. You're terrible, Hermione whispered up at him, pulling away slightly and pushing her curls back from her face. Ron really didn't care. He let go of her hand and threw his arm around her. What do you want to do? He asked her again, squeezing her shoulder. Go through your job letters? Go down to the village and see what there is to do around here? No, I really sort of did plan to study... He sighed. You've got to be kidding me. Look at the sky outside. She didn't look outside, though. She was still regarding him, chewing on her lip. Well, what if we studied outside? We could pass the exams and get some sun. Didn't Remus say at dinner last night that there's a bit of lake around here, down that forest path in the back? Ron stared at her. Did she mean what he hoped she meant? So you want to go and... Study down by the lake, he ventured, not daring to elaborate further. Well, we could bring a blanket to lie on while we study, and then we could always swim if we got sick of studying, couldn't we? She wasn't looking at him now. She had fixed her eyes on her fingernails, which must suddenly have grown exceptionally interesting. Ron could hardly believe his luck. Yeah, he answered, trying to keep his voice even. Yeah, we could do that. All right, then you, uh, go get the book and your towel and, you know, whatever else you need. Mostly, I think I'll need a swimsuit. Ah, Ron felt his ears go pink. Right, and I'll go up and, well, just, I'll meet you back down here in five minutes, shall I? Hermione turned to him and kissed him before he could think about it. Five minutes then, she said, a bit breathlessly, before she raced off down the hall and up the stairs, with Ron following close behind, still in semi-shock. For once, 
he thought, studying for an exam might actually be seriously enjoyable.